0: Hey, this is Mud Lowther, and you're listening to Bradley House Podcast on KCTY. Hey guys, come on in, grab a seat, make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Noel Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Noel. Kelly, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited about this episode that we have tonight. It's really, really special for a lot of reasons and I'm, I'm anxious to get started.
0: I am so excited as well, and this is one that uh, we've worked on for quite a while here. Now, Kelly, typically people are used to you and I kind of steering the ship here a little bit, but we're going to take a little bit of a different turn on this episode for all of our listeners. Kelly, what do we got going on?
1: Well, this is super special for us because... We mention our producer, Anna, every now and then. She is wonderful and absolutely the backbone of this podcast. She's the one that makes it happen, gets it all out there, gets everybody sounding good. She's also your fiance, and I absolutely adore her. So I know how important she is to the podcast and how important she is to you and I. And I'm really excited for the listeners to get to hear her because she's going to be leading this interview tonight because we happen to have with us an absolutely legendary musician that, um, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. I'll let Anna explain why, why it's so incredibly special. But, but I do have to say that, that for all of us, this is a very different genre than what most of our listeners listen to. Although I'm sure there are a lot of people that, that are familiar with the music, but, but he is, is somebody who has done so much through the, in the music industry through the years. And, um, it really is such an honor and a privilege for us to have with us this person. So I'm Ooh. excited that Anna is going to be able to give, um, you know, all of the information that she knows and, and have a conversation with him. And so I'm going to go ahead and let her introduce him. Go ahead and take it away, Anna.
2: Hi, mm-hmm. I'm Anna, and I promise probably not to cry. <laughs> oh, no. <God. laughs> <laughs> probably. The, the man... Too. Yeah, well, you should. If you know anything about me, you should also cry. The man we are lucky enough to have joining us today, thanks to my amazing fiancé, is an international phenom. From pop to rock, his powerful voice leaves no listener unaffected. With a range from a monstrous D3 to a wailing C6, he is the man with the iron lung and the only man whose face is permanently on my body, Mr. Graham Bonnet. (laughs) Mr. Bonnet, thank you so much for being here. Here. Yeah,
3: you're welcome. And I, I am a little disturbed by the uh, the picture of me on your body. It um, <laughs> it worries me a little. But anyway, I'm, I'm not a person that has tattoos. But anyway, thank you, Thanks for introducing me. And uh, I'm here to answer all your questions or whatever else. You know,
2: I have so many and questions, not- and some of them are like not okay. So we might skip them. All right. <laughs>
0: It's not. It's not weird for me either, Graham. Going okay. to sleep with you. Going to sleep with you every night. It's, oh uh, God. <laughs> that's that's just that's just fine.
3: <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Well, anyway, I, I won't talk about it anymore. It, <laughs> I, I appreciate the appreciation. I should say, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's incredible.
2: So, starting off in the '60s with the Marbles, you yeah. were, were a pop rock singer, and you yeah. never intended on being a rock singer. You know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you never intended mm-hmm. on pursuing rock or yeah. anything heavy. Uh, you were never formally trained. What What did you want to be when you grew up?
3: Well, what I wanted to be was uh, a singer, obviously. I started singing when I was about seven years old. Um, but I, I grew up to be um, a butcher, which was terrible for three years. Uh, But when I was working as a butcher, I was in a dance band in my hometown in England playing everything from Beatles to, you know, uh, dance music. You know, I played for dance, dance uh, people who were dancing, uh, played in this dance band, uh, you know, bow tie and the whole thing. Um, But um, that was something I did for a few years. And then I had my own sort of rock band and we um, played pubs as we did right then all over England. And then um, my cousin came in from Australia. He was working over there. Um, he left England when he was about seven. And he came over to uh, England because he wanted to pursue a career on television or whatever, because he was on television in Australia. And over there, he worked with um, some guys called the Bee Gees. And I used to get their demos sent over to me from my, from my cousin. And I would listen to this group called the Bee Gees, where I thought were very much like the Beatles. And anyway... He came over he came over to England later than the Bee Gees. They made it over to England before he did. Uh so the Bee Gees became very well known in nineteen sixty-seven, I think it was. Um and so my cousin came over and he lived with me and my mum and dad for a while. Uh he's a great guitar player. And um we were playing in London at a club called the Round uh, what's it called? I can't remember Round House or not? no round Uh, Revolution Club. The Revolution. I just thought about it. It was called The Revolution Club. And we were playing, my cousin and I and our other band members. And we played this club and we didn't have much equipment. We had terrible gear. Um, I'm surprised that we actually got through the night without something blowing up. And it was just um, weird that suddenly when we finished our set, uh, this guy came out of the audience and said hello to my cousin, whose name is Trevor, Trevor Gordon. And uh, he said, hey, Trevor, hey, Trevor, how are you? You No, he's Australian, of course. And he said, I'm sure that uh, uh, Barry and Robin and Morris would love to speak to you. And uh, so what happened was they exchanged telephone numbers. And uh, my cousin got in touch with Barry, Robin and Morris, who were his friends from Australia. Uh, And uh, the next thing I knew, we were in uh, Robert Stigwood's house Uh, me and my cousin and the Bee Gees, uh, sort of auditioning for Robert Stigwood. Uh, It was a very funny night. And uh, we all had acoustic guitars and singing like Stevie Wonder songs and um, Beach Boys stuff and obviously the Beatles. And uh, Robert Stigwood said to Barry Gibb, he said, uh, Barry, do you have some songs for these boys? I'd like to start recording them straight away. And that was the beginning of our career, so to speak, in 1968. And Barry wrote a song for us called Only One Woman. And it um, went into the chart, much to our surprise. And suddenly we were on TV being all fabulous and everything, you know. So that's where I started. And thanks to the Bee Gees, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here.
2: Well, and I know that Only One Woman hit number five on the Aust- uh, yeah. Australian charts for three months and then "Warm Ride as well. Yeah, yeah. Immediately it, it, after.
3: Yeah, it went um, it went higher Actually, in England, it went uh, to number three.
2: Oh yes.
3: Uh, yeah, Joe Cocker won out with uh, Little Hope for my help for my friends.
4: Mm. In Australia,
3: I think it's I don't know really about Australia. Um, uh, I don't know. You're probably right. But um, later on, at, when I the marbles were all over with and everything else, I did some stuff on my own. Which was first one was a song called Baby Blue. It's all over now, yes. Baby Blue. And then, I know
2: that went gold in Australia in 1972 yes, it when it released. Yeah. That's and that right. is the image of you I have on my leg, and I promise that's the last time we're mentioning it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sort of like that. Uh, but I'm now 73 years old, of course. I was 30. I'd be probably 29 or 30 then, maybe. I uh, still
2: look like James Dean. Well,
3: okay. <laughs> I, still, I still have the same haircut, yeah. And uh, anyways... Um, we What was I talking about? I've forgotten.
2: <laughs> about releasing Warm Ride and uh, it's oh yeah, yeah, Now yeah. Baby Blue.
3: Yeah, well, that was the first one. Baby Blue was the first record that went to number one. I've got, got a gold album over there in Australia and everything. And then Warm Ride came secondly, which uh, Robin Gibb wrote uh, for me, which was kind of cool. So I always had a great attachment to the, the Gibb brothers. Um, as I said, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be talking to you probably, you know, because of that very first song we recorded. The only one woman song that was that song got me a few jobs, including Rainbow later on.
2: Yes, and it was one year, but what a year!
3: Mm-hmm. But what I do. do
2: before yes, I, we talk about Rainbow, I want to jump yeah. back to when you quit the Marbles. What jingles did you produce? Jingles? Yes, advertisement jingles.
3: No, oh, actually, I did. I did some jingles on my own.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah on your yeah. own.
3: Yeah, for Levi's jeans and um, yeah, and ski yogurt, I believe, um, and also Ritz crackers.
2: I you know, knew it. I was going to say, you can't tell me you didn't do jingles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I thought you meant the two of us. Oh, and no. Some, we separated, like, after two years of the marbles. Uh, the 69, over. I believe. Yes, yeah. We, yes. we, uh, Stigwood didn't want to carry on with us, and... He wanted to take me to be a sort of a Tom Jones guy, so mm-hmm. be doing Vegas type songs, and I didn't like that, so I left Stigwoods, and so did Trevor. They didn't want Trevor, uh, so Trevor left. Well, actually, really, because they weren't looking after him, and um, we uh, parted ways. But of course, he lived not too far from where I lived, and um, we. Uh, I decided I didn't want to be Tom Jones. One is enough, and I wasn't into. It's not unusual, you know, songs like that. I, I, that wasn't my thing. I liked R&B and, you know, pop, whatever. A- anything but that, that sort of really corny, love is like candy on the shelf, you know, all that stuff. That, that wasn't me. So I left Sigwards too, which was probably a big mistake. But um, at the same time, I had offers from lots of different bands.
2: And am I correct when I say that you didn't know who Rainbow was before you auditioned yeah. for them?
3: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I have no clue. Um, I went to the office one day when I was, you know, in my uh, baby blue uh, Australian times where I had a thing on my own. And uh, my cousin, my um, cousin, my, I'm sorry, my manager said to me, "Um, you've been asked to audition for this band called Rainbow. And I said, well, who are they? Because when I heard the word Rainbow, I thought like, you know, a folk group or something, you know? And uh, no, uh, he'd tell me that, uh, Richie Blackmore was a guitar player, Roger Glover was the bass player, etc. He said basically it's kind of like Deep Purple, but a new version of. And um, I got what I had to do was go buy the Rainbow Records and listen to what kind of music it was because they gave me an audition piece to, um, to learn, which is a song called Mistreated. And uh, so I learned that and I went over to Switzerland and auditioned for uh, Rainbow in this. Um, so sort of Castle plays, and uh, that's, I knew nothing about it, I had no idea what music was like until I heard the old uh, albums, which uh, Ronnie Dio was was on, you know, so it was a bit of an interesting trip, because I thought, well, I, this is not really me, this is not what I want to do, but anyway, my manager said, you better go, because he could see money coming in for himself, I think.
2: And also, the, the Rainbow Track, since you've been gone, that you're famous and infamous for shall we say is actually a cover of the 1976 song by russ ballard which a lot of yeah. people don't realize people just yeah. think oh you know rainbow did it i know and that's it
3: yeah <laughs> there were there are actually a few versions of that after russ's uh yes. one by a girl band called clout
2: yes um, and i and know uh dr may brian may yeah, did a cover yeah. of it
3: yeah yeah he did it later <laughs> yeah and uh, which is not. There's nice. only one version of that song. I know, <laughs> and it's
0: yours. So
3: you know, uh, Russ Ballard will tell you that too himself. Oh, he good. I He comes to the we you know if I'm playing in London. He comes to the gigs. You know, and he was, yeah. I mean, he's a great guy. I've known him for years, and uh, I've been in touch with him oh, a few months ago to see if he had a new song for our album. You know, but he doesn't have anything right now that would be suitable, he said. But he said he has an idea for a song that somebody else covered, but we could do it too. And he said we would do a better version. Anyway, I'm not quite sure what it's called, but I think Bruce Dickinson did a version of this mm. other song. I don't know and, what he did.
2: Well, sorry, go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, he just, uh, he's working a lot. I know that. He's doing a lot of live stuff. And um, song songwriting. is like endless, endless, endless. He goes on for days and days writing songs. I think he's taking a bit of a break, you know. So he didn't have anything for this album. So I said, okay, never mind. Maybe the Alcatraz album, the new one.
2: Mm -hmm. Which we're all very excited for. And that brings us about to Jeff Loomis of Nevermore and Arch Enemy. And as an Arch Enemy fan, I cannot put into human understandable words how excited I am. To have you two collaborate because it's yeah. going to be absolutely insane do you want to touch a little bit on how that all came about
3: uh well <laughs> yeah i mean uh, I-, I split from my band uh, the so-called alcatraz and um i came home and i said to bethany what the fuck am i going to do now you know uh i've left these guys they want to keep our horrible manager which they did because he left our manager left for some reason he said i've I've done with this goodbye i'm free and anyway i thought oh good he's gone and what happened was the other guys decided to keep my horrible manager on and um i said well come on we can get better than that and they didn't want to continue with me so that's my that's fair enough so i'm going to do something on my own and we talked about it for a while and uh, uh bethany and i came up with the idea how about doing our own Alcatraz because as I said, they're trying to, you know, trademark that uh, name for themselves. They may get the name, but I I don't think so. If they do, they'll have the name, but not the music. You know, the music is, um, I got the music with me. The music is is Graham and his pals, you know.
2: It's always going to be Alcatraz and then real alcatraz anyone and for the rest of time for the rest of years this podcast is up and to the public just know that there is i mean like amateur alcatraz and then there's grand bonnet alcatraz so oh. make the yeah, proper only, choice listeners there's <laughs>
0: only there's only grand bonnet alcatraz and obviously we've seen this happen uh, a lot and many bands you know, but, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd has two touring, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. two touring. Rat, great, white. Uh, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that the fans are going to choose to, you know, spend the money on the one that counts, and and that's the one with you, Graham. And yeah. uh, a lot of times, you know, bands try to try to redo it or recapture the magic, and it's just less than when you don't have the original.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, they they have the we we would like to share the name if you know if that's the way it's going to be. It'd be Graham, Graham's Alcatraz and uh, whatever they want to call their Alcatraz. But they'd need the name to get them uh, some kind of, you know, listening power or whatever, because um, there's nobody in the band that um, was featured except for me, the guitar player, Ing-Veigh Steve Vai and Danny Johnson. We were the mainstay of, that, of those bands. We wrote all the songs and that was the sound of Alcatraz you know. Uh, when ingvay came along, he was perfect. And then when ingvay went off to do a solo career, in comes Steve Vai, perfect again. And then he, he got a better job. And and then uh, Danny Johnson, but now he's got he got a better job too with Steppable. So he went on tour with Steppable for a million years. But Danny was very much a blues player. Uh, Steve Vai was a very inventive player who I loved writing with. And ingvay uh, was, of course, like uh, a very young Richie Blainmore when he joined us. It was... Um, it was fantastic. When I saw this kid play, I was blown away, blown away. He's still good. <laughs> it's,
0: it's amazing. In fact, um, when I was probably about 14 or 15 and I really started getting into music, like, like yeah. really. And my dad was a musician, so music was always a big part of our life growing up. And, um, you know, I started getting into the Jeff Becks and the Eric Clapton's. Yeah. And, the, and uh, my dad actually said the one day, he said, here, have a seat. <laughs> and he put in a uh a, he had a, a ying mei um one of his solo albums yeah and uh i was just like what the fuck is yeah, this yeah. like yeah. oh my god uh. so uh some of these guitar players that you're mentioning that you've had a chance to play with like these are all-time greats
3: um yeah pretty much you know and um well, that, that is one thing we tried to do. When we were forming Alcatraz, my manager and I got together and said, well, what can we do to get some, you know, an audience to be interested in us? He said, well, you just left Rainbow. Um, we need to get somebody in the band that's been in a, a famous band or sort of famous band. So we had um, the uh, keyboard player and the bass player from a band called New England who were had a hit at one point back then, and... Um, then uh, Jan Uvina, who was with um, Frank Zappa, he came into the band. And, of course, he was the drummer. And uh, then later we found Yngwie, uh through a, somebody just told us about this kid. He, this uh, guy said to us, I heard you've been looking for um, somebody who plays like Richard Blackmore. And I said, yeah, because we'd like to put a band together that's very much like in the rainbow kind of genre, you know, that kind of. That kind of thing. Keyboards, guitar, blah, blah, blah. And a real, you know, good guitar player. He said, Well, you won't hear find any better than this kid. Uh, he's Swedish, da-da-da-da. He's 18 years old. And um, we got in touch with him and he came along to the audition and walked in. And I thought, he looked, he looks like Richie Blackmore. He had the same kind of clothes on and everything. And I I, I, just, I just take him taken aback by that. And what I said to him, I spoke to him on the phone before we did the rehearsal, the audition, I should say. um, I said, could you learn this song? And it wasn't a rainbow song. It's one of my songs that had nothing to do with going, you know, widdly -widdly widdlies or anything. It was just a song just to see how this guy played and how he would interpret uh, a pop song, so to speak. And so he did this. uh, In fact, it was a Russ Ballard song and uh, he got up there and he played this song. And, I was blown away. It was like, God, that song's come to life again, you know? And um, there you go. I mean, what what can I say? That The kids, uh, he he just got a little bit too um, ego-tripping a bit later on, but I knew that was going to happen, and he deserved to be on his own, really. He didn't really need the band. You know, but uh, I think we were a good platform for him to uh, start off. You know.
0: Yeah, but let's be honest. And again, I, I, well, I will be. You don't have to agree to anything. But his solo stuff, the songs are not good. The guitar playing is phenomenal. It's world yeah. class. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just not a fan of. I, I I liked him in the bands, but the solo stuff, it wasn't the greatest to me. Uh, yeah. Maybe just not. Maybe just not for my taste.
3: Right. Yeah, I, I I haven't heard any of his stuff because I, I really don't want to listen to it. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of just instrumental albums, etc. I always want to hear the singer because that's what I do. I always go, oh, he's good or he's terrible or she's good. Or, yeah, that's great. But to listen to uh, a guitar player, they, they sometimes get stuck in one, one little rut where they're going... <laughs> They're doing scales all over the place and there's no there's no interest within the song. But Yngwie, I must say, when he was with us, he played the song. He didn't just play a solo. He played the freaking song and he listened to what I was singing and he would emulate some of the things I did and we both traded in a way during the melody of the song. There was a lot of guitar players. I, I won't mention who, but they just play really, 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 really over everything, you know, and that's, not songwriting for me. That's just showing how how you can play different scales. Um, now, um, he, eventually, Yngwie, did get it together when we were on stage and didn't play over what I would assume when it came to a, a, a verse or something. In, in the studio, he was fine. He had no problem. He was really, really good in the studio. But when it came to playing live because he's six foot tall and a young kid and playing this amazing guitar, he was taken over the stage. And, um, you know, he knew this and his ego grew like incredibly. But I understood that. I understood it completely. And I knew that he would go his own way one day. Somebody will say to him, you know, uh, hey, kid, you don't need these guys, these old farts. You come with me and I'll make you a star, you know. And that's, what, <laughs> that's sort of what happens. But, um, you know, he, he, I saw that he would have his own career. But I'm good luck to him. I haven't seen him for years.
2: That does lead me to my next question of you being a notorious vocal powerhouse where you're known for projecting and being, you know, just a a stage taking, you project, you're a loud vocalist. Uh, Is there any truth to the, I want to say a rumor, but in 83, 84, that your voice was strained because you had to project over how high Malmsteen's amps
3: were turned? No now no, my, my voice did go away before um i was in a band I, when i was in england i was recording a lot and uh i, I had when the marbles ended i'll tell you what exa- exactly what happened when the marbles came to an end i was so dis- disillusioned disappointed everything i just had no faith in myself whatsoever and i lost my voice for about a year until um i did baby blue in fact later on uh, but uh, during the Yngwie period. Um, No, I don't remember that. Well, I might have had a a cold or something once in a while, but I never uh, had to um, strain over ingve or anything like that. But the the thing is, he could turn up to 11 and I can't. A vocalist, you can't compete with a guitar. You really can't, you know. Or a tall guy that's played a freaking guitar. And it was just, um, sometimes the volume he played at was you know, deafening. Uh, That's why I can't hear very well these days, you know. And... um, That's the only, but we never really um, had a time when I took uh, a dive or took time off because I lost my voice uh, that I can remember anyway.
2: Well, that answers that question. Now, bringing back your um, your insane range, which is a D three to a C six, which is insane. Absolutely, is that just like a casual, just a casual three octave? Just I'll just go from this.
3: Do you know something? It it depends what day, you know, if the wind's blowing in the right way, the right direction on the day, you know. Sometimes those notes come out and go, where the fuck did that come from? You know, and uh, I'll hear the guys in the control. Oh, I'll keep that bit. I say, yeah, but it wasn't... Do it again then. Okay, I'll do it again. Oh, no. You know, and um, I remember I was singing fucking... When I was with Impeliteri, another band I was with, I was singing really... I was singing a high G above top C, which is like ridiculous. You know, it's like you know, it's up, up there, but with real voice. You know what I mean? And it, was, it was really stupid. And the chorus had this, this high G in it. And I said, I'm only going to do this once. So can you fly this, this high G into every chorus, which they did. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I think I have three octaves. I'm not sure, but I, I think it's about that, yes.
2: I was going to say, it's, it's like three and four notes. Because yeah, it, I'm weird and I know that stuff.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I try. Yeah, not. You don't have to be highs. I can also sing low. You know, I can do. Oh, when,
2: absolutely. When it, well, because you're. Yeah. I, I like to call you a tenor.
3: Yeah, right. You can yeah, hit the yeah. lows,
2: but you can also really yeah. confidently yeah. and casually hit those highs. But you have an amazing low.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you. Uh, I know that um, when I'm re- when I'm recording what I call bass parts of harmonies. Um, When I was in Alcatraz, I would do a bass part on some of the the harmonies, you know, and uh, so I'd have to go into the studio kind of eight in the morning or something or nine while my voice was still asleep. And I could get my lowest note when I'm asleep (laughs) is a a low D, which is. um, I
2: was going to say, I think a D3 was from 2014 Stardust Reveries.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's. But that's nice, as a, as a, full loads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, sometimes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it depends if I've uh, blown my nose enough or something. Um, I don't mean coke. I, I mean, you know, um, if I'm uh, a little under the weather, I can't get low notes very well at all. And uh, the mid range, that's the hardest part of singing this kind of music is uh, to me, the mid range have to have the melody in a, a lower register than a higher range um to you know keep the wellity there but then when you get to the really high range it becomes easier if you are a little bit sick it doesn't really matter you know you can you can (laughs) you can do all that stuff you know use your head voice instead of your throat and chest voice which is Mm. a trick it's a trick you know a lot of people do it you know I mean, God, you know, Rob Halford and etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Et that's that's the way they use their voice, you know. But I'm not very good at um, falsetto, so I always try to sing with um, you know real voice, chest voice, and throat, and face face voice. So yeah, but a- but
2: but with your range from yeah. you know a, a D three to a C six, it's never a head voice. It's always no, no. chest and properly projected, and that is insane to me. I was playing piano, and Jared and Kelly can attest to this today. I was like, listen yeah. to this. And I was like, this is a D3. And <laughs> yeah, then I yeah. played a C6, and I was like, now everyone has to listen to how insane this is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was impressive, I'm not going to lie. Super
0: impressive. Um,
3: oh, there you go. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> that's enough of blowing my trumpet. No, it's, it's, it's something that um, I hope I can, I can keep uh, forever, you know, until I one day don't sing anymore. But, I mean, we're recording it as I speak. At the moment, we're recording uh, – I re- record all my vocals at home. So we're doing uh, an album now for the, the GB band, Grand Bonnet Band, and um, we've got uh, five tracks done. Uh, Jeff is actually playing on this too, Jeff Loomis, and also Don Airy from Rainbow. And uh, let's see, who else? Oh, my God, I can't think of the list. But uh, there's a few, few people on there that have uh, – Nicely come along and said "Uh, we'll play on that Brian. Oh okay then, yeah. So um, all right, and they didn't ask for money, which is great. (laughs) Well,
2: it's a bonus. Now you had a back surgery in 2019, so you actually toured sitting on a stool.
3: Yes, I did. And Which people was,
2: thought, oh, he's just laying back and being cool, and the truth was you were in immense pain and just had surgery. So, yes. Yeah. And and I believe, please correct me if I'm wrong, but that you had been diagnosed with arthritis in both shoulders and they wanted yeah. a double replacement.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was just telling uh, one of my friends today, I said, I can't lift this a, a box of um, cat food came here, and all of my um, girlfriend's daughter's friends uh help me lift it (laughs) i said i can't lift because of my both i need both shoulders replacement shoulder replacements left and right and also my left ankle and my right knee so i'm surprised i can walk at all you know uh i like um i like riding cycling and um i when i get on my bike i can um so it's okay. It takes the weight off my knee and my left ankle. But I have to be very careful when I'm turning around, looking for traffic aiming at me in this uh, studio city in California um, because there are lousy drivers here. But I can ride the bike, but um, it's just my shoulders are, are really, really painful. And uh, it's um, it's really crap. I can't lift anything. I feel like um very weak, but I'm not. I'm a very strong person. But since this arthritis thing set in, you know, I feel like the old man used to laugh at walking down the street. You know, oh, I know. You know, who was uh, doddering along. We used to laugh at that, but uh, probably he had arthritis too. But you know, I, young people get arthritis also. It's not you don't have to be 195 years old like me. It um, just happens, and um, it's from from taking probably prednisone, which is a drug I used to take, and that causes you know, arthritis, et cetera, it can do if you take it for too long. And I did. I used it a lot for my um, throat when I got – when I did get a sore throat on the road. And it uh, corrected it pretty much straight away. But um, that's the only drug I've really taken that's uh, naughty.
0: <laughs> well, at least you have an excuse. I don't – uh, yeah. I just I, – I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen – I look a lot stronger than I really am. Trust me. I, yeah. I am not. You don't want me to come help you move on Saturday. You're gonna want to ask <laughs> someone else. So, yeah. um, I, maybe I have arthritis. I just got to get it checked out or something. I'll go with yeah. that. Actually. Hey, Graham, um, thank you for helping me realize that. Yeah. To okay, yeah. my friends listening that I haven't helped you move, it's because I've got fucking arthritis. Clearly. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Jeez. I- thank you, Graham.
3: Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, you feel so disabled and you feel like an old man i mean that's how i feel because i'm not like that at all my who i am is not like somebody who's crotchety and i can't do that you know i'm not like that at all but because of this you can't do the simplest thing sometimes it's just getting down and bending under a counter to pick out a can or something or yep. reaching up you know reaching up is uh i have a time uh, but it's um something that can be cured and it can be uh, but i've got a lot of freaking surgery to be done that's the uh, only thing the back is done and so that was that's i'm okay i can stand up now i'm fine but um yes i had to use a, a stool on the road because my back was so painful it was unbelievable my my spine was um you know crushed one of the uh what do you call it the bones in your spine uh, uh, uh they have a number i don't know the whatever. vertebrae yeah, one of them. A vertebrae was crushed because all the um the whatever it is, that jelly stuff that's in between them was dried up and so I've lost uh, height as well as, as well as anything else. So I'm now on five foot nine, whereas I used to be five foot ten, which is a real drag. I hate being five foot nine.
0: Well, <laughs> you, you gonna mentioning... be five foot ten to us. <laughs> always.
2: <laughs>
3: I don't well, five foot Yeah.
2: <laughs> you mentioning that you had a hard time picking up f- cat food leads me to one of my nerdiest questions, which is, what yeah. is the name of your orange cat?
3: Uh which one? We've got two.
2: The orange one that waved in an interview in t- last year. I don't know which oh. cats. How many cats do you have, and uh, what are their names?
3: Well, we have Rex, who's um the oldest cat, who's very sick at the moment. Oh he's no! Really, yeah, he's really thin and he has cancer. So. Oh. No teeth, so I'm feeding him with a spoon his, his food every day, trying to fatten him up. But we found out he had mouth cancer, oh, it, no. and uh, it's a bit worrying. Uh, the other one is uh, his name is um, uh, Gumbo.
4: Oh,
3: uh, <laughs> Gumbo! And we found him one night. Um, my uh, my girlfriend's daughter was, uh, were out. They were both outside, and they heard this meowing. They went out and tried to find this where the meowing was come from. And actually, this cat, this kitten, was inside the chassis of the car. He would got in there somehow. So they dragged out this little kitten who was about, I don't know, probably about seven inches long or something like that. Now he's fat as hell. It's huge. We've only had him, um, God, a year? Not even a year. But he eats like a, a maniac. So that's uh, Gumbo and Rex is uh, the old man, you know, and uh, as I said, he's, he, he's fighting like crazy to stay alive, he loves being alive, he loves fighting with this kitten, <laughs> tells him off, you know, when he comes to have a taste of his food, but it's, um it's, it's very upsetting, because, um well, we all know what it's like to have an animal, they become your child, sort of thing, we all do the same thing, and to have a child look so, you know, worn and thin, and I don't know if he is sad, but he's obviously in a little bit of pain. It's um, heartbreaking. I've, I've lost Absolutely. a lot of animals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, all, we all have our dogs and cats and whatever. And I always used to say to myself, you know, well, I'm not going to have another dog or another. I, I always get dogs. I'm not going to have another dog. And then, of course, I did. I got another damn dog um, because it's like uh, I don't want anything to be a replacement for somebody I'd lost. Absolutely. Of, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? But you sort of get over that and go, okay, well, I'm sure that he wouldn't like me to be miserable like I am. <laughs> so, right. well,
2: and and it's not a replacement. It's a new thing in your family. Right? Yes, it's and it, never a replacement.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that kitten, just for reference, Anna, seven inches is like really, really small. So like that thing yes. is, I mean, that's a <laughs> that is a tiny, <laughs> tiny kitten, like little, that yeah. is like...
3: What are we talking about? <laughs>
1: I sure hope kittens. we're still talking about pets. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah
3: okay, he, of course.
1: He's,
3: <laughs> he's, now, he's now like um, two feet long or more. You know? <laughs> oh,
4: he's huge. That, what
3: that,
2: I was going to say before we took it to a weird size reference <laughs> was I'm <laughs> sitting oh, right me. next to a 22-year-old cat right now.
3: Oh, God, so, really?
4: Yes. Wow. 22. Yes, 22.
3: incredible. Yeah, I think... Rex incorrect. is correct. Yeah, he's about 11, I think. Yeah, so no. they, they can. Uh, the problem is, you know, I, I love big dogs, and all, I've always had big Me dogs. Me, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, my last big dog was a uh, Newfoundland dog. Oh, and, oh um, wow. Yeah. Oh, I love
1: Newfoundlands.
3: Yeah, I do too. And, Beautiful. But I was told that, you know, the bigger the dog, the shorter the life. And yes. that's, that's usually what happens. But I had uh, his name is Cooper. When I had Cooper, I took him out one day, and I was walking through the park, and this lady came up to me and said, oh, we have a Newfoundland, too. How old is yours? I said, he's he's one. And she said, well, he's going to live a long life. My Newfoundland is 20 years old. What? what? Wow. Yeah, I, exactly. So I thought, no. oh, but yeah. So I thought, great. But, you know, uh, it wasn't that way for him. he got um, arthritis, too. And he, uh... he, well, you know, he couldn't walk after a while. Well, what may have... What may have happened
0: with that woman's Newfoundland is the same thing that's happened with um, the 21-year-old cat that she's talking about, is that um, that cat's not 21 years old. Um, I firmly believe that throughout the years, different family members have accidentally killed the cat, ran it over with a car, or oh my God. gone to the store and replaced it. With my basement, <laughs> yeah, awesome. uh, <laughs> I believe that it's happened several times already, and everybody's looking at each other on Thanksgiving like, "Holy shit!" The, cat. the reason this cat's fucking thirty-two, but I guess it's no. But the thing is, is it's actually the third. It's it's the third or fourth <laughs> right now. Yeah, for yeah, sure.
3: yeah.
0: I'm positive about
3: it. So. <laughs> but don't they usually do that with fish. yeah Oh, Dad fish! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <there's, there's>, <laughs> oh, goldfish. Yeah, especially if you have yeah, a goldfish or a, um, a little fighting fish, a little Japanese. Uh, one oh, they're yeah, called. the betas. Yeah, bettas, uh-huh. Because they jump. I remember that uh, my daughter had one jump right out of the bowl, and straight down the sink. And, oh, no. Uh, uh, I didn't tell her. And um, I went to the store and got her another one and put it in there. And she didn't know Exactly. Now you're testament to, to the this
2: theory cat. Jared's made about my cat.
1: That's good parenting. That's good parenting. Yeah, because yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's, it's factual. It's a, you can't you can't yeah. have a cat that was born two weeks before Graham joined the marbles yeah. and still be sitting here thinking that the thing's kicking. I'm yeah. telling you, bring it up to your dad, and I bet you he swallows it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, oh.
0: I
2: have two really weird, nerdy questions before we can get into, like, regular things. Mm -hmm. In, from your album, The Book, for your song, Rider, the bass and the drum toms were perfectly tuned. Was that intentional or an accident?
3: The bass, what, tuned?
2: To to the tom drums.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be purposely done. Because Uh,
2: that chorus is, hands down, my favorite chord progression of all time. How beautiful. Really? And the harmony, oh, absolutely,
3: 100%. Oh, I was a bit disappointed in that time. <laughs> Why? Uh, because it's an old song. Um, I've had it for, what, 20 years or something. And I thought, well, it's a bit dated sounding, you know, for me. Um, but it, it did turn out, and I know our, our guitar player, Conrad, he, he likes that track too. But when we, I got, um, we played it live. And I thought, this is not working. It never worked live. That's one reason why I got kind of pulled off it, I think. I mean, it sounds okay on the album, yeah. But when we played it live, it just didn't come together somehow. Was it
2: because you were missing like eight other harmony vocals? Yeah, probably. Okay. Well, see, <laughs> that's it. You no. can only have so many thirds and fifths above yes, and below when there's only four of you on stage, you know? I
3: know, yeah. But we did try. We did try. Uh, oh. Comrade, and, Comrade would just sing and uh, Bethlehem. They would do the best yeah. they could. And it was
2: amazing. Know. I just think, like, because i'm i'm a music theory nerd loser and i just yeah. think cuz it's 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 just a, an amazing chord progression also i do have a question which forgive me if this is insensitive but what was up with your pants in japan in 1984? Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> yes. The blue spandex, you know what i'm talking about?
3: Blue spandex. Yes. I, I never wore spandex.
2: You wore something very Ooh. similar to spandex in 1984 hey, in Japan.
3: No, well, that wasn't Japan. Was it
2: Japan?
3: No. I'm sure. Are you talking about? You're talking about England.
2: Oh, maybe it was in England. Sheffield. So <laughs> you know when you wore uncomfortable
3: blue pants? Uh, they, they were jeans. Blue jeans. Mm, I don't I, know. Yeah, yeah. I had them. Uh, there was a place in Oxford. Street. They were Street.
2: real tight and real shiny. Yes. Yes.
3: Okay. okay. I had them. I had them made in Oxford Street in London, and it was a place where you can get jeans made within half an hour.
2: Oh, that's fun. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So I walked in and he said, what, what, kind of, you know, what kind of denim do you want? I said, oh, this one. And uh, they weren't very well made, as you probably realized. And what happened was, um, I didn't try them on before. I was playing with Michael Shanker. Yes, and, uh, with
2: MSG in 84 yeah. when they exploded.
3: Yes, they did. <laughs> and we're I've been past the place. Actually, I said, that's where we play, because I played with Michael recently. And uh, anyway, we went past this place. It's Sheffield University or Sheffield something. And uh, yes, my my pants bust, and uh, I made it part of the act. Yeah, you said
2: there it is, wiggle yeah. wiggle, and then yeah, you yeah. said I'm off. And yeah. then wasn't it your manager who said, "Get the fuck out of here, Graham"? You're
3: well, gonna... it, like they're but... gonna kill you. Yes, it was uh, one of our our um, uh, guys, you know, our uh, crew, and he said to me, get the fuck out of here, Graham. You've got to," because they started. They kept on playing without the uh, singer. a whole
2: set yeah. without you.
3: Yep, whole set. So I had to. Run downstairs, get my stuff out of the dressing room and get into a cab and uh, go back to the hotel. Then the next morning, get a train back to London. We were supposed to play a day later, but they, they fired me, obviously, because um, the, the concert that was coming up. was quite a big deal.
2: And how long have you been sober?
3: Um, God.
2: 15 or 18 years, I have a bet going. No, it
3: was. <laughs> it was, let me tell you, it was 12 or 13 years. And I fell off the wagon, you know, when the um, viral thing started happening, the COVID thing, I, I had a terrible time. I split up with the band, as I was telling you, the Alcatraz band, because i was been driven into the ground by them, to be honest with you. I was absolutely exhausted. And uh, me and Bethany, we, we split up as well. And I was living in my condo in, uh, in uh, Santa Clarita. And every day was hell for me. And um I, I I thought I had COVID. I was so I felt so sick and weak. Um, you know, going to the bathroom I would crawl out of bed in the morning. And I couldn't stand up. I felt dizzy and everything, you know, the whole damn thing. Crawling to the the bathroom and then coming back to watch TV and see how how serious the COVID thing was getting. And um being alone, I, I wasn't used to being alone again, you know. And um, so, I there was a uh, there's a store next door. I walked there and I bought myself uh, some liquor and got shit placed and uh, went to bed and did that for a few days until um, uh, Bethany said to me, "You better get yourself straightened out." And uh, we got back together again, and I'm glad to say, but it took a while. It took a while because I was a real uh, cunt, to put it mildly. I was just completely fucked up, and uh, I was. In a terrible mess. And if I'd have kept on going, I think I'd probably not be alive now. But I stopped and I haven't drunk for another. I, it's been a year now. A year sober. I got my little, uh, you know, my year chip. That's awesome. That,
0: that's a, yeah, that's amazing.
3: It was horrible. But to, You know, it's so easy. I, I didn't think I'd ever, ever drink again. Not in a billion years. But what, what happened was so, so much that went wrong. With with my my girlfriend, the band, the everything, this virus, I, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? It was like somebody just put their foot down me and tried to squish me. And you know, I felt he- heavy and laden down, and um, th- my body became like that. I was just crawling around the apartment, it, and then just laying on the bed and watching TV constantly until it was time to go and get another bottle of whiskey. You know, mm. but it, it's um. You can never say it won't happen again. I hope it never happens again because I never craved uh, a drink at all, at all. And um, this, when this happened, it was like, I've got to do something to take this pain away. And that was the only thing that did it. So I could drink and drink until I got really tired and fell asleep and didn't have to think at all.
1: You know, thank you so much for mentioning that, Graham, because I think a lot of people experienced a similar thing during yeah. the shutdown and the pandemic. Yeah. And so it's so relatable to be able to hear what you're saying and yeah. um and so I appreciate your your honesty and openness about that. It really has, you know, it's been a difficult time for a lot of people, especially people mm-hmm. that struggle with with addiction of any kind, whether it's mm-hmm. drugs or alcohol or shopping yeah. or sex or whatever. You know, I yeah. mean those are the things that that we turn to when yeah. when things are difficult and yep. um and I'm sorry that that happened with you but I appreciate you bringing it up because I like for people to see that um addiction is no respecter of persons you know yeah. it can be anybody and and you know kudos to you for getting back on track that's that's incredibly strong of you and and that's amazing
3: yeah well, well thank you i mean uh, it <laughs> it's um messed up by my sex life, all my sex. but it, it <laughs> just, I, we haven't been into it for just over a year, just over a year. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I don't really have to tell you all this, but, but it, uh, made me scared of, uh, being into it again, you know, sure. it, but why? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fear of fear. You know, I'm, I'm scared of everything. I used to, well, I used to be, I'm, I'm okay. Now I think I'm slowly coming back, but, it's been very strange not to be intimate with your partner that I've known for eight years. You know, we've been together a long time and, um, you know, it's, um, it's bloody awful. I, your mindset changes once you, once you sort of get um, sober again. You realize how clear the world is and everything. And you think mm. um, I'm going to screw up. If I do this, I'm going to screw up. You know, that's what I, it, I, I'm sort of, I, <laughs> it's like, you know, t- to do it, so to speak. It, am I going to be the same or am I going to mess it up? You know, I won't be as sexy as I used to be. <laughs> oh, I, I I'm imagine so, that's... Yeah, but, it's, it, but a lot of people told me they've had the same thing. Right. An anxiety of uh, being intimate. Sure. Yeah. And
1: I again, I think that's something that's pretty universal. And, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people deal with... Well, I just have to say, I have absolutely loved this show because it's given me an opportunity to um, obviously, you know, we're so thrilled to have you on. You genuinely are a true legend. And I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak with oh. us. And, and again, as you know, it's been such a thrill for Anna, our producer, but, um but for all of us here and also for our listeners, I just want to say thank you very much for spending
3: this time with oh, us. You're very welcome. Anytime. Anytime. It,
0: it was amazing. Now, Graham, before we, uh, before we let you go, where can fans uh, find you? Uh, Facebook, Instagrams, websites. Uh, is there any upcoming concerts you want to promote? A website where somebody can buy a t shirt or a CD? Anything at all that you want to let everyone know about where they can find
3: you? This is the time. Yeah. Is that for me? It's a Grand Bonnet um, site, and I can't think what it is.
0: That's okay. We'll edit all of this out. There's a Grand the
3: Bonnet episode. site, there's and there's an Alcatraz site too, but I'm, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I was um, just
2: gonna say we're not promoting the Alcatraz site because no. I looked at it and I know what's up.
0: Yeah,
3: so, I mean they, they've uh, got another singer, in. but uh, yeah, you'll yeah. find me. Just uh, you know, type in fucking Graham Bonnet and you'll find some kind of site or other where. Well, oh my god, that's the best
0: but, answer that we've ever gotten on this show. We don't yeah. really need the real answer. I like that one right there. So uh, he is Graham Bonnet on Facebook, but other than that, uh, pop yeah. open your Google machine and type in fucking Graham Bonnet and you'll find. Yeah, it. probably no, not. No fucking Graham. <laughs> For that again <laughs> Oh man. It, listen it gets out of hand on this show a little bit so uh, oh, I, I, know, I know for myself it was, uh, it was amazing to have a, a music legend on uh, you know Kelly and myself oh, yeah. are, are both uh, huge music fans so to have somebody on that's been able to do the things that you've done throughout the years is, uh, is a treat for us but uh, I, I really thank you for, for doing it and, and coming on and, and letting Anna answer some questions and have some fun with you as well
3: Hi, uh, Jarrett. You're very welcome, and I said anytime.
2: And I didn't cry once.
3: Not even on? Oh no, I did. Oh my god!
2: Oh good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> look at us. Look at us I'm doing so
2: well, both of yeah.
3: us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, i would like—I'd love to talk to you all again. It'd be great. Yeah. I can absolutely. Tell you when we get when you get that new album, rocking yeah. and
0: rolling, you can, you're going to come on and uh, and promote it. We, we yeah. look really forward
3: to that. Oh, that would be yeah. fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. I will do that. Absolutely.
0: Thank you. <laughs> that was amazing, Anna. I I think you might have just taken my job. I don't know if I'll be back next week. I think be, she might, took my job. Now. <laughs> I was thinking did you too She took both of our jobs? Is, she we, did. This is gonna out? be
1: the Anna show from now on. The An Anna's Bradley's House podcast.
2: Wow. I want to make it very clear, unless Graham Bonnet is coming back for every show, then I'm probably not gonna be like this every show, but like I'll try. <laughs> I'll research other people instead of just creepily knowing everything about them. It's fine. Uh, Didn't we
0: we talk about the term? We talked about the term creepy. It's research. Oh,
2: sorry. researchy. Yes. You're right. You're right. I will have to intentionally research other people instead of being
0: inherently (laughs) researchy is what
2: I meant to say.
0: So how cool, how cool was this for you?
2: I didn't cry at all. And I'm really amazed because I, it's like him and Alice Cooper. Are like the the big two for me in my heart for okay. musicians.
1: So this is you go, absolutely got to have
0: them next.
2: Yeah, no pressure, babe. <laughs> Love you so much.
0: <laughs> just reach out to Alice Cooper. It's all good. Yeah, well, yeah, we can get Alice Cooper. Yeah. No problem. I mean, we got
1: on Bonnet.
0: Yeah, we got Graham Bonnet, which Let's is continue. I.
2: I just like I said, I feel like I blinked and suddenly this interview is done, and I just successfully spoken understandable human words. <laughs> to a person I'd never, ever thought in a million bajillion years I'd ever be lucky enough to I don't know like yell at from like across <laughs> a room
4: and <laughs> well, <laughs> here we are not, with you having
0: b- you're a big deal Thank I told you, you you're a big, big
4: deal.
1: And I have to say, you could not have chosen a better person to have tattooed on your body because he is wonderful. Isn't he fantastic? Nice. What a I mean, stand-up guy. Yeah, besides how clearly talented he is from his music, just so great to see that he's a genuinely nice guy and super fun to talk with and so humble and yet so personable. And I, I was very impressed.
2: I was just very excited. And once again, just self-high five. I didn't cry. <laughs> So
0: Well you, you deserve it. You you did Thank you did you. amazing. So in fact in fact I already know Kelly, don't even think about it. Kelly's like, man, I can take a few sick days now maybe <laughs> and I'm just Next gonna time I'm just, I
1: can't make it, I'll I'm be just like Anna's to got bullpen. this. Yeah,
0: I'm just call it <laughs> to the bullpen. No, we we need you. So uh, but <laughs> you know, it was it I'm was up definitely for it, but, but cool it better
2: be pretty impressive. Just <laughs>
0: Well, you know, listen. I th- there's only there's only one gram on it, and I knew that this was only going to happen one time. So I'm happy that Anna's, it happened.
1: Anna's strictly about the legends. That's it's it. True. Those only ones. Yeah. And she's thank our, you, our I series. just want
2: to take a second to say thank you so much, Jared, for making this happen. Because not only is he, you know, an amazing example of someone who's recovered and gone through hardship. So hmm. you know, to, to provide an example for the reason why we need bradley's house but also yeah. because i'm a huge fucking fan of this was fucking insane so
0: he only he was... talked to me he only talked to me because i know kelly so <laughs> you should thank her
2: oh wait not you, true No, no, you don't mean true. that he didn't talk to you because i already sent him a picture of your young was 28 yeah. year old at the time girlfriend's tattoo of his face on her leg hmm?
0: and I'm pretty uh, sure and that's why the... The six messages might have also <laughs> eventually set up the the trigger that I'd like to talk to him. Uh, but it was really it was that old dust. That's oh, what no. it was the so. old he's, dust. I think he's just a really great
1: guy, and that's how awesome he is. He was willing to do that, so. That was very cool.
0: Very cool. It was it was really cool. And uh and as Anna mentioned and Graham mentioned both that we did talk a little bit uh, about his recovery and uh you know, he was in the teens and um you know, he realized that he he kind of fell off and he got right back on. So it was amazing to hear that from him. And guys, yeah. that's the that's the whole reason why we're doing this podcast. Uh, is for musicians that are that are out there that are struggling, and that's how Bradley's House got started. You guys all know the story, and uh, it hasn't changed. We still need all the help that we can get, uh, and there's a ton of ways that you guys can get involved. Uh, Kelly, what are some ways that some listeners can help out the Noel Family Foundation to get closer to the goal?
1: You know, I think it's important for everybody to understand that we do have a ways to go to get to our goal, and you know, we've been at this for a while. But we started so grassroots that it's really just starting to gain momentum now. And by the time we get to our goal and can open the house, we'll still need to keep raising money. But hopefully we'll be able to tap into some grants and that kind of thing. But I just want to thank everybody who's given so far to something that's totally unproven. They're just doing it out of um, you know, faith in, in our family and in, in what we're doing and out of their love for Bradley and Sublime. And, um, so we're just so incredibly grateful for everybody being on this journey with us. The easiest way to donate or to check out our website is to go to our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash Noel Foundation. And that will take you to links for our website and every single way that you can donate and all that kind of stuff. Um, But once again, thank you to everybody who has donated and everybody who is currently donating and um, buying the merchandise and tuning into the podcast and liking and subscribing and all that. Every single thing makes a huge difference. So from my family to you, thank you so much.
0: Now, of course, we end every single episode with a tune. Now, usually we pick out an awesome tune from the house that Bradley built. You guys can find that compilation at law-records.com. You can hear the music on YouTube at Law Records page. Of course, you can also hear the songs and catch all of our previous guests in the archives at the Bradley's House YouTube page. I am at JaredOr222. She is at the Knoll Family Foundation you can always reach Kelly at any of the Knoll Family Foundation social media pages. Um, we are out of time, but what are we going to play for a song today, Anna?
2: It's not from the house that Bradley built, even though that is an amazing album. But from the album, The Book, we have one of my favorite songs, which is apparently a disappointment to Mr. Graham Bonnet, but it's fine. It's one of my favorites. We have the song, Rider.